Northland Outdoors Radio. This is Northland Outdoors Radio. I'm Brett T-Bone Amundsen. Thanks for tuning in. And last week, I spent a few hours over at Camp Confidence with Bob Slaybaugh and Benji Tennis as they tapped a few trees and boiled up some sap. And, uh, well, Bob was supposed to bring some fresh maple syrup and some ice cream in for us today that we are all going to enjoy here. Now i got to go back and tell the staff that uh, they're not going to. They were looking forward to it. They skipped like the last six meals so they could enjoy oh, no. this. Okay, I'm, I'm, I may be exaggerating slightly, but uh, uh, Bob Slaybaugh joins us on the radio show now. Bob, how's it going? Good. Thanks for having me in today. How much work would you say you, you've got? Uh, how much maple syrup did, have you gotten so far? Well, we've, uh, we've boiled down the equivalent of four gallons of syrup so far. And to kind of put that into perspective, it takes 40 to 43 gallons of sap to make one gallon of syrup. So uh, on a given day during a really good run, a tree might produce up to one gallon of sap. So you got to tap quite a few trees if you want to come up with a bunch of syrup. That sounds like a lot of work, but this is really pretty easy to do, isn't it? You know, and I tell everybody this, you can get into it um, very inexpensively without a lot of effort. If you, if you just want to make a quart of syrup for the educational value uh, to involve your family and kids, uh, you don't have to have a lot of expensive equipment or spend a lot of time doing it. Um, the folks that do do it commercially, um, they're sometimes working 10, 14, 20 hours a day Ooh. on this whole process with collecting and cooking, and they've got a lot of fancy equipment. But uh, it really depends on how much you want to get into it. Well, I want to ask you about that. For somebody listening right now that says, I want to do it, I want to know what, what I need to get, how to do it, how much work there actually goes into it. I want to ask you that here in a couple of minutes. But first, when we were over there, you were telling me the story of how maple syrup was discovered, which I think is a great story. Tell us that story again, Bob. Well, you know, like any tradition that goes on for a couple hundred years, um, the there's uh, different versions of this story. Sure. However, the most common aspect of the story is that there was a Native American family out on the Northeast coast. Um, every day when the husband would come back from his day of foraging, he would put his hatchet into the tree for safeguarding. Every morning when he would leave for the day, he'd take his hatchet out and take it with him. Well, uh, one day his spouse or his wife um, got up in the morning after he was gone and went to collect water that day, which she did every day as a part of her routine down at the stream. And she noticed uh, water coming out of this tree where his hatchet had been. Um, she licked her finger and tasted the tasted the water coming out of this tree, and it had the same consistency, almost the same flavor, maybe a little bit sweeter. Um, so she decided not to take that journey down to the stream that day and instead put buckets under the wounds in the tree that he had created with his hatchet and, and filled up her buckets, uh, proceeded to cook a very good stew, and when he came back, he could smell a sweet aroma. Uh, in their camp that day and tasted the stew and it was the best stew he'd ever had. Mm. And uh, really what she did is she boiled uh, her, her meal with that sap and as the water evaporated, it, it left the sugar content in the stew. And uh, again, that's the most common story and it started a couple hundred years ago and, and basically the same methods are being used today. I'm just going to start throwing hatchets in the trees. That's, I'm just going to walk around through the woods. Well, you know, Brett, when you were out of camp, uh, we, we showed you a lot of the trees that had wounds, especially from our storm last yeah. July. Yeah, right. They had branches broken off um, that were damaged, and, and sap was leaking right out of the wounds. I remember there was one, we call them sapsicles, it was frozen coming out of a wound about 30 feet off the ground, and it was dripping overhead. Yeah, 
Yeah, that's that's something you don't see that every day. <laughs> Not every Sapsicles. day. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I think Benji actually took one like a popsicle and was walking around with it for a while. It's always a good treat. <laughs> <laughs> um, Bob Slaybaugh joining us here on Northland Outdoors Radio talking about how to tap for maple syrup. Well, when did you first start tapping trees? You know, I probably started, I'm going to say about 27 years ago when I came to Camp Confidence and it was a, a tradition program there. Um and I, you know, it's become a part of our spring tradition. Why do you do it at Camp Confidence? Well, we do it for a couple of reasons. Not, we don't produce syrup for sale as a fundraiser for the camp. Um, we produce it uh, basically as an educational program. Uh, we have many group homes come out for from the area just to experience tapping maple trees and, and learning what it's about. Um, in addition, we do hold a, a big spring event, which is coming up here on April 14th, and it's our Maple Sugar Festival, um, designed to uh, let people learn about the maple sugaring process and, more importantly, get to taste some fresh maple syrup poured over ice cream. Um, but really, for us, it's about educating people about the value of our forests and the contributions that trees give us so that we can appreciate our environment more. How much do you end up making at Camp Confidence every year? Um, on an average year, in a good year, we'll probably produce 10 to 15 gallons of syrup. And we're on route this year to make about three quarters of that, I believe. Well, the other day when I was there, that sap was really flowing, wasn't it? It was. Some days it flows much better than others. Um, you can kind of predict it, but you are at Mother Nature's whim on uh, how much you're going to collect. Because, yeah, you, I mean, you basically thought, we all thought anyway, that it was done for the year. This year was an extremely strange year. This the really fast warm up we got got the sap running, and then it got too warm. Um, it is real important that you have uh, nights below freezing, and then real rapid warm ups mid morning, above thirty two degrees to get that sap flowing. And really, what that does is it creates uh, contraction and expansion in the the vessels of the sapwood of the tree, so that it can actually pump it and siphon it up to the top of the tree. All we're doing is intercepting it. Well, let's talk about that, how, how you do it, how somebody out there could do it. Uh, well, first of all, what type of trees do you look for? Okay. Well, um, you know, there's, there's several types of maple trees. The most common and the best syrup comes from uh, the sugar maple. And we do have a lot of sugar maples here in the Brainerd Lakes area, especially along the uh, Ojibwa Road area between North Long and Round Lake. That's uh, Historically, that was Chief Hole in the Day's uh, maple tapping grounds where the entire band would go there every spring and work for days on days of producing syrup and sap for themselves. But some other trees that are good to tap uh, are the black maple as well as the red maple. Um, the red maple doesn't produce the quality of sap that the sugar maple does, but it's more common tree in the Brainerd Lakes area. But uh, um, people are known also to tap alders, large alder trees, as well as uh, birch trees. Hmm. What type of tools would somebody need? You know, it's really easy. And again, you can get into it as, as, as uh, you know, as simple as you want. Um, uh, traditionally, a hand brace or a hand drill was used to drill a hole into the tree. And the hole you're looking for is about the size of an adult pinky. And you'll drill in anywhere depending on the size of the tree, maybe an inch and a half to as far as three inches to get into the sapwood layer of the tree. Um, so the larger trees, you'll drill in a little farther, and the, the smaller diameter trees, maybe an inch, inch and a half to get in there. And then uh, we call them spiles, but a lot of people call them taps because that's what you're pounding into that hole of the tree. And they're kind of a funnel-shaped uh, um 
Some are made from cast, some are made from aluminum, some are made from steel, but it's a little funnel-shaped spout that you tap into the tree um, hard enough to seal around that tap into the hole that you dripped. Um, they're open on one end in the, the, the small end of the funnel, which goes deep into the tree, and then a little wider on the open end, which pokes out of the tree. Uh, at that point, it's just a matter of collecting the sap that comes out of it. Um, it can be milk jugs. It can be uh, tin buckets. Um, out of camp, we run hoses um, down to food-grade plastic buckets that uh, collect up to five gallons of sap. Once you have these buckets full of sap, you bring them back to something to cook it down in. First of all, where did you where do you find something big enough to do that? <laughs> we were uh, fortunate to have a very large stainless steel uh, dairy tank donated to us, and it holds uh, about 140 to 160 gallons of sap before we start cooking down with it. Um, but again, uh, the equipment can be as simple as a pot on your kitchen stove. Um, I don't advise a lot of cooking down on your kitchen stove because it does create a lot of steam in your house. Um, you're trying to evaporate a lot of water out of that sap, and it's going to create a, a lot of steam in your house, but uh, it's also kind of a sticky steam, so you're going to have to clean your kitchen afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> but if you're just trying to do it with your kids and family, you know, you can collect two gallons of sap and make enough syrup for breakfast. And you can do that in a short, maybe two hours over your own stove. But out of camp, we have a, a wood fired, um, uh, stove per se it's a firebox the stainless steel large kettle sits out over top of it. it has a spigot on one end of it so that as the sap boils down we can uh, run it through a filter and a filter could be cheesecloth it could be uh, coffee filters depending on how much sap you have to run through um, but we filter our sap twice during the entire process once when it goes into the pan and then once when it comes out of the pan right before we do our finished cooking how long does it take to cook it down? <laughs> Again, sometimes you're at the whim of Mother Nature. I had a heck of a time last Friday. I just could not get get it to boil. And it was uh, atmospheric conditions um, just weren't allowing that steam to escape. And, and different days, um, the boiling temperature of water is different. Um, water boils typically here in the Brainerd Lakes area at about 212 degrees. And uh, as the sugar content increases in the sap because you've evaporated water out, the boiling point raises. And to really declare our sap or syrup finish, we need to bring it up to about 219 to 223 degrees um, boiling point before it's the proper content. You get it into a jar. You close up the lid on the jar. How long can it sit in that jar? How, long, how soon do you have to use it? You know, it can sit for a long time. Um, the one thing I do tell people is if you don't boil it down far enough, it can ferment on you um, if you don't take enough water out of it. Um, you can get a little bit mold skim on top, but that's real easy to skim off and it's not going to hurt you. Um, I've got uh, some syrup in my fridge that was from last year's season still, mm. and I do call it liquid gold, so we do tend to hoard it. <laughs> yeah, well, now I know why you didn't bring some over here for us. It's liquid gold. It's too valuable. I see how it is, Bob. But no, it'll, it'll store for a long time. Um, you should keep it refrigerated unless you're actually canning it and sure. sealing that jar. All right. Uh, Bob Slaboff from Camp Confidence, I appreciate you showing us how it's done that you're going to see on Northland Outdoors television and then coming in and into the studio here and telling us about it on the radio show as well. Well, thanks for having us in and uh, good luck with everybody with their tapping season. All right. Before the show is over, Jamie Dittman went up to the Rainy River to chase big sturgeon and big walleyes. How did he do? He'll let us know next on Northland Outdoors Radio. Have a real 
You're listening to Northland Outdoors Radio.